This is the Empowered Athlete Podcast, hosted by yours truly, the one and only Natty Boss, lifelong athlete, sports dietitian, breathwork facilitator, personal development junkie, and holistic performance coach. This podcast is here to change the paradigm of what it means to be a high-performance athlete. The intention and mission of this podcast is to help you create freedom, clarity, and balance in your life while giving you the tools to heal yourself, improve your well-being, and optimize performance. I believe that in order to reach our highest potential in this human experience, we must unlearn and let go of everything we've been conditioned to believe about ourselves and the world so that we can truly tap into what our divine path is and have the courage to pursue the curriculum of our soul. It's my hope that after every episode, you feel activated and empowered to make change in your life that supports you in operating from a place of alignment of who you're meant to be. Get ready for major shifts and transformation. It's time to dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Empowered Athlete Podcast. In today's episode, I have a special guest, Mr. Matthew Machado. And in this episode, we're going to have a conversation, an open, vulnerable conversation around his story, his experience with bullying, depression, suicide, and how jujitsu has ultimately saved his life and helped him. And I know that he's not the only one that experiences that. I initially saw his post with Submit the Stigma, and I just knew I wanted to bring his story on because I know it's very relatable and a lot of people struggle with mental health. And it's important to recognize that, you know, sometimes these things don't go away and it's managing them and having the tools and resources and support and community to be able to support you through that. And so I wanted him to share his story. So a little bit about Matt, he started training martial arts, beginning with Taekwondo, myself included at the age of seven. Yes. Uh, at Semper Fi Taekwondo, he holds the rank of first degree black belt. He started training at Danny Severi Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in 2012, and he currently is a brown belt in Jiu-Jitsu and a black belt in kickboxing. He's been teaching Jiu-Jitsu and kickboxing classes at Danny Savory BJJ since 2019 and has been a martial art instructor since the age of 12. He currently lives in Massachusetts. He has a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree from the University of Massachusetts, Dartmouth, and currently works as a clinical staff nurse at Emma Pendleton Bradley Hospital in Riverside, Rhode Island on the Children's Inpatient Unit Unit and serves as an adjunct clinical instructor for the health assisting program at Diamond Regional Vocational Technical High School in Fall River, Massachusetts. And his goals include going back to school to obtain his doctorate of nursing degree and become a nurse educator and incorporate Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as an alternative treatment modality for children and adolescents who suffer from various mental illnesses, including anxiety, depression, and PTSD. So the work that you are doing and aspire to do is absolutely needed. And I'm so excited to have this conversation. So welcome, Matt. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. So why don't we just start always from the bare bones for people to get to know you a little bit more and just start with your story growing up um, with being bullied and how that led you to join martial arts and ultimately jujitsu. That is usually the story for a lot of people, how they get into martial arts, Um, but I'd love to hear yours. Perfect. All right. So uh, funny story. I was in elementary school, like I said, like seven or eight. um, And my mom, uh, my late mother, she had a, like her boss, her boss's grandkids did Taekwondo and it was like the old school demo at the local mall. Um, and she's like, Oh Matt, you want to go like see some karate? 
Mm-hmm. Yep, she used karate. Uh, <laughs> yes. And you want to see people break boards? Lost me at karate, got me at breaking boards. So yeah. we go to the mall. Um, I see it. I'm like, this is awesome. I ran away from my mom to the front desk lady, uh, who was actually like the owner's wife. And I was like, sign me up. And she goes, okay, buddy, like, where's your mom? And my mom's like, oh my God, Matt, what are you doing? And she like hustles back. And needless to say, like, I signed up that day. And then like, I start that following Monday. Um, wasn't bullied at the time. I ended up, I think, maybe a couple months into training. Um, I started getting some spots on my face. Lo and behold, later on, it becomes known as hydrovaxiniforme basically meant my body couldn't absorb UVB light the right way. And mm. it would express itself as like pimples on my face, but it would be 10 times itchier than poison ivy. Um, and it would show up as like a scab. So it'd be super itchy. You can't really see it right now on the camera, but um, like if I were to go up close, you'd see like some scar tissue that would look like it's from acne, yeah, uh, but yeah. it was, it, it was from that. So I would be called like pizza face. Uh, and then if I picked the scabs off, cause it was insanely itchy, like Freddy Krueger, like the names didn't stop, but that was like after I started training. Um, and obviously that sucked. And then being the, like the shorter chubbier kid that now has something for people to make fun of. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go so well. Um, so training was definitely an outlet to help boost my self-confidence yeah. and, and the aspect of like, all right, if this kid puts his hands on me, I'm gonna throw down. And my family, the bright side of what, what they you know raised me with is if a child puts their hands on you you won't get in trouble if you defend yourself so if they strike you you know it's not cobra kai like don't strike first but like if they hit you throw down we won't get mad at you you start using your martial arts as a bullying tactic yeah we're gonna have some problems um and and honestly it goes without saying because my instructors um one of them was a professor of history uh like a history professor and then the other one was like a local police officer that was involved with like his local school department so there was no way of me getting around being the the school bully yeah um so did taekwondo for about eight nine years and then um you know the bullying subsided a little bit as I went into middle school uh because instead of being the short chubby kid I was now the smart funny one that people wanted to be around. And by the time I hit middle school, my diagnosis, it was less, it was like some flare ups here and there, but I had my treatment plan very solid. Yeah. Um, so like that, like the bullying basically subsided, but then like more family trauma, um, generational. And then just like, and when I say trauma, actually, let me, let me do a little bit of a sidebar. Trauma can be something, it's any life event that changes the way you think. Most of us, when we say the word trauma, they think, oh, it only has to be with with soldiers or rape or anything that is um, high voltage. Trauma, and and I'm going to translate this maybe into what we call ACEs or adverse childhood event. What could be trauma is you're at your, you know, local library book club and your parent or legal guardian forgets, forgets you, forgets to pick you up or they're a half hour late and they don't tell you that's traumatic yeah. or you know when it's your birthday but your family cares more about you going to like your I don't know your cousin's first communion party so your birthday gets put to the wayside we, uh, oh we're not gonna really celebrate your birthday we're not gonna talk about that much because this is priority um and that was very much the case for me growing up birthday always took second place to something else so as I got into my adolescent years when you know I first met my fiance she's like dude why don't you care about your birthday and I, and I was like dude it's just another day don't care about it um, and she's always, I love her to death for this still to this day, always goes out of her way to make my birthday, like the, spe- the most special day of the year. Um, it got annoying at first. Cause I was like, I don't like this. Cause I've always just like, 
put myself on the back burner for everyone else. Um, so to have her like cheerlead me in that regard, like it was frustrating at first, but now I'm like, you know what? It's cute the way she preps. I let her have it. Um, now, adverse childhood events. Um, so stuff like that, some trauma, family trauma grew more prevalent as I entered middle school. There was definitely some stuff in elementary. Um, middle school started to pick up. When I started high school, uh, my, it's going to be the best man for my wedding and my lifelong training partner, Jordan. Um, we shout out to you, buddy found Danny's Academy, which at the time was called best way Brazilian jujitsu. Um, I was a freshman, he was a sophomore and we both had our black belts and at our Academy, our Taekwondo place, we were doing more teaching, less training. And that was frustrating. Like, what happens once you get your black belt, it's like, you automatically get into this role of teaching. Yeah. And I wouldn't mind it except the fact that I was 14, you know, um, (laughs) and like our instructors would be in the office doing whatever the hell it was. Um, and it's like, we're at that prime where like, we really want to train and also our, our gym, like we were the oldest and the biggest. So like our training partners were ourselves and it got kind of boring. Um, the nice part is one of our instructors had his black belt in judo. And then he said black belt in like small circle jujitsu, which I think kind of just went along with like, you do a takedown, there's a wrist lock and some basic stuff. Yeah. The funny part about me and Jordan is he is a phenomenal kickboxer. He's a little taller. He's lean. He's fast, solid with his kicks. I probably gotten some CTE from like all the spinning hook kicks. They're solid. The nice part is sometimes they'd let us do basically like a little MMA, whatever. So like if we got to the ground, we could grapple and strike, do whatever. Jordan would always whoop my ass, stand up. But if I got a leg, took him down, and then we start to like ground and pound or grapple, I noticed I had a little more of an advantage. And I'm like, this is awesome. I'm getting beat up less. And I feel like I have a leg up. So once he said, hey, dude, I found a jujitsu academy. I'm like, yes, this is solid. Um, We found Danny's. And he was out of almost like a garage in Tiverton, Rhode Island. And I'll never forget my first class. We go over like a baseball slide escape from turtle. My training partner was about double my age. He was about, had like a hundred, a hundred plus pounds on me. And um, he goes, buddy, the only way you're going to learn this technique the right way is a fat guy like me on top of you. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you put pressure. And I was like, First off, this is jujitsu. So honestly, anything you say or do to me, I'm going to just like absorb like a sponge. I love it. Even if you beat me up. Um, and like he did no mercy. And I'm like, dude, this sucks. And then <laughs> lo and behold, after a few reps, like I started to get it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. If I can do this on a dude that's much heavier and stronger than me, if I have to do this at school or if I have to do it, like if I'm training with somebody my weight and size, I'm going to blast. Yeah. Like, this is going to be super easy. It's like, you know, Taekwondo, you do kicks with the ankle weights for drilling. You take the ankle weight off and you feel like you're Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, so it was like the same regard. And you know, been in love ever since. Uh, like I said, I've been with Danny for 10 years now. Um, I helped teach their tiny tots jujitsu as well as our kickbox, our kids kickboxing class. Um, and then I fill in for our juniors and the adult kickboxing class when necessary or whatever. So been with him for the past 10 years. Not going anywhere unless I move. And that's going to be a hard bargain. Um, and it's just been great. Amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, I can definitely resonate with the whole birthday thing. That was me for a very long time. Like it's almost like I would actually get like this weird, it's not seasonal depression because it was only around my birthday, but it was yeah. like, like 
celebratory depression or something. It's like once I knew my yeah. question, yep. like a few days away, like I would just get really quiet. I would kind of be really yep. reserved. Mm-hmm. And I just like was in the same mindset. Like it's just another day, you know, I didn't want to because, you know, mainly because it was again always there was always some type of argument or traumatic experience in the family around that. So it's like, well, it's just better for me to not even get amped up about my birthday so that I'm not disappointed yep. than to just fully enjoy it. Um, so I totally resonate with that. That has been a, a unwiring process for sure. And, oh, yeah. and I, I love that you mentioned and just kind of clarified your own almost like definition, but like, it's absolutely true around trauma. Like what we often, like how I often explain it almost is like this big T and little T trauma and big T trauma is kind of like what most people associate with trauma. Like you yep. said, like just like those sexual experiences or domestic abuse or something like that. And then little T trauma is like the trauma that we're just victim to with just being human beings and like the conditioning and the little things here and there where we're just like gaslit. Um, and just like those little things that are just like compounding when we're young. Mm-hmm. And it still affects us because it, it created, like you said, like an emotional charge that our body did not forget. And yep. so it affected us. So yeah, I really love that definition. I'd love for you to dive a little deeper into what that family dynamic was for you growing up yeah. and perhaps the specific trauma that you've experienced in that yeah. and how it impacted your self-image and mindset. Not a problem. Before I get into that, let me just take my puppies out of there. Great. I thought they'd be good, um, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to let them get their little zoom. So give me just one moment. Hi, guys. Yeah, yeah. You can do, you can move. That's okay. Nice. So, all right. Thank you for your patience. Now, uh, family trauma. So when I was younger, um, I was sexually assaulted, sexually assaulted by a family member. Now they thought it was like, Hey, let's use Matt as practice. So that way, like when I go with people, my own age, I know what I'm doing. Me oblivious. I'm like, what? Huh? Like, I don't know. I was like six, seven, didn't know any better. Um, and then like, I would just, I, you know, I joke about it, but I was like, yeah, I didn't really have a childhood. Cause I was always surrounded by people older and yeah. exposed to like adult things way too young, whether it be like exposed to porn or sexual acts, shit like that. Um, uh, excuse my French. Um, totally allowed here. Oh, perfect. There we go. Okay. So, um, when I would act and behave around kids, my own age, they're like, what? Or like, Matt's cool. Cause he knows about this or, yeah. or says that. And I'm like, I guess. And I was like, oh, that's cool that they think I'm cool and funny about this. But like, you know, when, when stuff like that happens to you, you kind of put it in the back burner. Cause you're also too young to process it. 100%. Um, and then also like, no one's going to believe you, you know, it was almost like that victim culture where it's like, no one's going to believe me when I said this happened to me. So yeah. I'm just going to like lock it in, swallow the key, throw it back. And then maybe 20 years after, you know, I might talk about it. If, it, if somebody either a believes me or finds comfort in like being allowed me to, to process this. Um, so, so yeah, there was that, um, or like exposed to like substance use and shit like that. Um, yeah. like a lot younger now, culturally, um, alcohol is like just a soft example um it's more embraced it's easier like when you're a kid you know you could have like a little sip of wine when your family has like a steak dinner or something yeah um like that like culturally that was fine um translate you know people got confused like you know when I went to high school and college and when you had like parties and people were drinking like I was just like okay this is nothing different 
you know, the little yeah. joke is like, you know, when you're in Portugal, as long as you're as tall as the bar stool, you can drink because <laughs> we knew moderation and we knew that like, yeah, I've had a glass of wine for family dinner or like I learned at a young age, and it's not a bad thing, um, where like, if you are to drink more and I knew that like, as I go into my adult years, I'm staying where I'm at. Like, I'm going to stay at the friend's house, I'm not going to drive. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to do anything or find somebody else to, like, you know, be a DD for me. Um, substance, like, and also on terms of, like, substances, like, I was exposed to weed and cocaine, like, early. Not that I did it, but, like, I'd had adults, like, cut it in front of me or, yeah. like, roll shit up. And then translate to that, like, there was a moment in high school. Um, so I went to a boat and uh, we were playing, like, I was playing with uh, Silly Putty from our auto body shop and, like, playing with the putty and then had the squeegee. But I just mindlessly like was like playing with it but it looked like I was cutting coke and one of my classmates was like dude what are you doing and I'm like I'm like oh snap I was like I don't know I'm just doing whatever um stuff like that and I'm like so there's like a lot of modeling yeah even if it wasn't even if it wasn't like verbal there was a lot of modeling of little things that you picked up that you thought were just like normal behaviors but when you were kind of integrated into like the other people of your age and peers they were kind of like what is this i'm not gonna say it because i don't want to get my family in trouble um and then it also goes to that so growing up i don't know if it's just being a male or just culturally like we just didn't talk about our shit um my family is like very don't air your dirty laundry out um or maybe it's just like ego maybe we're like yeah (laughs) <laughs> a little bit of both where I didn't want to divulge and be like, Hey, yeah, my family member sexually assaulted me or Hey, yeah. Family member was cutting Coke and rolling the joint in front of me when like, yeah, those are adult things that you, you know, I mean, cannabis. Okay. Coke, <laughs> you have your own vice, whatever. Um, don't do that in front of a child. Or like I had something where like another family member had an affair and I like was sitting on the side of the person, the family member, when they were like video chatting the mistress they're like, yo, I can't do this, da 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 da, and I'm like, uh, what am I sitting next to? Ha- what is happening? Yeah. yeah. Um. So like, when I joke around with my friends, they're like, yeah, I didn't have a childhood. They're like, what? They're like, oh, you've never watched this Disney movie? I'm like, no, I watched Girls Gone Wild. Yeah. And they look at me like I have seven heads, and I'm like, dude, that like, when I was seven or eight, my Christmas gift was like Grand Theft Auto Three. Yeah. Not Crash Bandicoot. Um, yeah. I wish so like now I'm definitely compensating of, you know, uh, healing my inner child, which is phenomenal. Do it. Um, but it was like stuff like that. And then on some more trauma dumping, um, had like experience where like, uh, <laughs> what? Ah. Oh, no. oh, no. Um, sorry. So not for nothing. Uh, my aunt was like going through a divorce. Now this is my like, other things that went on. Um, and she was cool. Loved her to death until she lived at my house. Um, and this was like when I was in eighth grade and I was like, Oh, this is cool. Aunt's going to be here for a few months while she does whatever she's got to do. Um, and she went from really cool to really heinous. Um, and we would just like really like clap at any, like, you know, obviously when you're in early adolescence, like you might have some arguments and bickering with your, with your yeah. parents. Like that's natural defiance. Um, but like, she tried to act like a second mom and it just wasn't cool. 
Yeah. I hated the shit out of it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, that way, like when she left, I was like, oh, thank God. And then it started happening. Like she got, came back to the house senior year of high school when, you know, because like got back together with her partner or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then senior year of high school happened again, but this time it was longer than like the force was going to be legit. And I'm like, fuck my life. Like this was terrible. <laughs> You know, um, oh, hi. Um, it was absolutely terrible. And I was like, fuck this. I can't. Nope. You're frustrating as hell. Where there was like one time where um, my sister and her boyfriend at the time, I was like walking my dog and I'm like, dude, I'm either going to put my head through a wall, run away or do something. And I'm like, if I didn't have Otis on my leash, like I can't do this. And yeah. um, he was like, dude, nope. It's not worth your energy walk your dog, blow out your steam, do what you got to do, come back in the house, rejuvenate. Um, and that's why I always like the mats, whether, you know, Taekwondo earlier, jujitsu now, you know, I could let off steam training. Um, so when there was like shit going on in the house or growing up, like just doing like school bullying or whatever the case would have been, um, I always had the mats as my outlet. Yeah. So it was uh, definitely a lot. And in terms of now to like bridge a little bit, I don't know if we're going ahead of ourselves for suicidality. Um, when I got bullied in elementary school, just because of that skin condition, I was like, yeah, I should probably kill myself. I don't have to deal with bullying if this, if I do this. Yeah. And then I was like, oh wait, but if you do that, you can't train or you can't hang out with your dog. And like, there was already like those protective factors in place where I was like, yeah, no, I shouldn't kill myself. Yeah. That's um, cool. When I was in middle school, again, still in Taekwondo, I haven't started jujitsu yet. That shit with my aunt went up and I was like, yeah, kill yourself. This is a lot easier than dealing with this bullshit. And I was like, no, don't do that. You like your training. You have friends now because you're not getting bullied. You're doing fairly well in your training. You're in your, you know, your academy's competition class, like team or whatever. You're traveling. You're doing what you enjoy doing. Um, no, nah, don't kill yourself. High school, same thing. But now we have jujitsu. And it was basically the same thing where I have the outlets for the mat. And that was my, you know, that was my end all be all coping skill. Yeah. Um, and then in undergrad, this is where it got a little dicey, where now nursing school, love it, hate to love it. Um, like, I didn't think that because I went to a Volk school that it would translate well um, into college. So I lived in the library. I was fortunate enough to be able to like, because I did that, my GPA was solid. So I got scholarships. I didn't want my parents to pay a dime. And it wasn't because like they would use it to clap back at me. Um, or use it as power. No, I just like for me, you know, high, up to high school is free. This is my responsibility. Um, and I found at a young age that like I take pride in earning my shit. Um, yeah. Of like, yeah, let my first job working at McDonald's bought me my Mustang. Like, nice. I took pride. In, oh yeah, I took pride in like earning my stuff. So I didn't want my parents to pay a dime because I wanted to know that I worked my ass off and this will be the end goal. On that note, um, I couldn't afford to train because by the time I got to college is I was paying for my training. Um, again, it was one of those things where I didn't want my mom to pay my tuition. Um, and that's where we went. So I got super involved, whether it be like, you know, the university's nursing student association, which then translated to the state level. Um, because of part of my treatment when I was younger, I had a lot of interactions with Boston Children's Hospital. Um, and we had a organization called Dance Marathon, which basically like you had a uh, 
big event at the, I guess, end of the year or whenever you decide to have your event and all the funds would go to Boston Children's. And I'm like, oh, snap, what a perfect way, me, perfect way for me to give back to the hospital that almost helped cure me uh, or basically did. So got involved with that, got involved with the Student Nurse Association, studied a hell ton um, where, and, and then I still worked as like a nurse's aide at like a local ho- community hospital. I had no time to train unless it was spring break, Christmas break or the summer. Yeah. Um, and while I was, and then I, you know, I did a lot of things like with my church and stuff like that. Um, and while I was doing things that I enjoyed, it was draining. Um, and then I didn't have jujitsu to like burn off the stress team. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's where so like more intrusive thoughts about suicidality would happen. Like maybe I would like drive home after being super stressed out from studying or whatever. And then it'd be like, it would get, when I say methodical as like the submit the stigma post, it'd be like, I wonder how fast I can drive into this tree to kill myself without any pain. Or it was like, you know, um, hey, I'm taking a bath to relax, drown yourself. And I'm like, whoa, what, what is this? Um, yeah. Or like, I'll never forget, like we had, it was a fairly traumatic one time. Um, shit went down at mom's birthday party at a local Chili's where I literally contemplated, how can I hang myself from the Chili's bathroom? And it was like shit like that. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is not okay. But I never did anything with one. Yeah. At that time, I was with my fiance for a few years. And I would talk to her about it. And she's like, dude, you need some help. But it was hard for me to accept the help because I'm like, you're the only person I talk to about this stuff because yeah. my family is just like, ah. or it was like, because they didn't want, you know, others to think that Matt has problems. Yeah. So. Newsflash, we all have problems. Yeah, exactly. So like, like culturally and being a male, I was like double fucked. Yeah. Um, and That's it exactly didn't why take- I wanted to bring you on because of that too. Like, especially in jujitsu and, you know, with men, it's a great outlet for them to release that stress and, you know, even release stored trauma that they don't even know, you know, yeah. about because of the movement of the body and the breathing and all of that. But it's more so like this culturally accepted, accepted type of belief system of like, don't show emotion, don't express, feel nothing can be wrong. And it's really detrimental to your own well-being. Yeah. You got to like white knuckle and just go through it. Fuck no, 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 no. Now I think, uh, I think it's Jamie Kilstein, right? One of the guys in our jujitsu community. I think that's his name. Barry Marong, where it's like, he mentioned one time, like jujitsu is therapeutic, not therapy. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, that makes sense. Because like for the longest time, I would use martial arts as the outlet that, OK, I felt better after training. So I don't need to talk about family trauma. I don't need to talk about the stresses of life that um, just make me think differently and it might be unsafe or just really uncomfortable. Um, and it didn't take it, it took a long time um, where. So after I graduated nursing school, my mom gets diagnosed with stage four uh, bile duct cancer. And then I was like, oh, that's great. Like I spend all my time in the library, not that much time with my family. Now that I have the time, mom gets a terminal illness. This is great. Um, benefit, I first started working overnights at the hospital. So I, like, I was able to take my mom to chemo, the doctor's appointments, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Um, during that time, uh, it started getting real nasty where like she wanted to dictate my mom's treatment plan. And my mom, I love her, God rest her soul, kind of just did whatever my aunt said and didn't like have autonomy for herself. I don't know if that was family trauma growing up for her, um, but like mom had no autonomy. And this came especially prevalent, like when had to put my mom on hospice. Um, 
power where like yeah where like even she like had to fill out her advanced directives um i'll never forget like every every time when we filled it out because we had it as a family meeting yeah um i would ask my mom two or three times and she would always look at my look at my aunt to basically where like my mom made herself a full fucking coat yeah and i'm like dude yeah that's not comfortable but i'll respect your wishes even though they're not really yours. Um, Heavily prevalent, like the last few days my mom was alive where it was like, you know, we're doing around the clock morphine, adamant, just to keep her body comfortable. My aunt was snapping me, being like, are you killing your mother? And I'm like, no, you're an asshole. Like I'm making her comfortable. Yeah. Um, And this would like heavily then, like she would talk shit about like, oh, like what kind of nurse are you? X, Y, Z. And I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. Don't discredit my ability as a nurse. It's hard. It was hard enough. Well, on that note, trauma. Detour. Um, was hi. Um, so when I was um about in the ICU, this was like during height of COVID. My patients are dying left and right. My mom's cancer. It like the chemo wasn't working. We had to switch over to different treatment. My dad gets a major heart attack. My godmother dies unexpectedly, and I'm like oh, fuck, this is too much. So yeah. like, had a mental breakdown, quit, and then took a couple months off before I found Bradley. Um, and that was like a hard pill to swallow. And even my mom at first, because like she was still wearing oriented, and she's like, oh, well, you're still going to be a nurse and X, Y, Z. And I'm like, dude, shut up. This is just too much. I love you. You're a dying woman. I can't be mad at you, but I'm going to be mad at you a little bit for this. Uh, <laughs> like, I need to go through my shit. Because then for her and my dad, they didn't want to take the blame as the reason why I quit was because of their illnesses, yeah. which at one point, like it was part of it, but it was also just too much for me. I was in a field yeah. that I honestly found out I didn't like. Um, and I had this shit going on where it's like, I couldn't shut the switch off. Like I was a nurse at home and then I was a nurse at work. My parents, oh, like yeah. Yeah. my patients are dying left and right. And now potentially I have that constant anxiety that my parents are going to die at like a split second. Yeah. So I said, forget this. Um, and then more suicidal ideation come up. Super depressed. I guess the benefit of like my dad having the heart attack and I quit my job at the same time is like it was easy for me to help that like intensive treatment regimen where like we had people at the house taking to all the appointments, making sure the meds were set, stuff like that. Um, then I found Bradley. Population I love to work with. Um, and that was around the time where like mom's cancer, she really started getting worse. And then obviously she passed. There was, there was that what it was um and immediately after i shit you not bury my mom on a wednesday that following saturday my aunt starts being an asshole so i said you know what fuck this my mom is gone um i was nice to you out of respect and love for my mother yeah i'm done being nice and that's when i really started setting hard boundaries and that's when they're like whoa matt what's wrong with you what are you doing i'm like nah dude I'm yeah. starting my own autonomy now. You can't control me. You want to say something? I'll clap back at you. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, you punch me, I punch you. It's like, no, I'm not standing for your bullshit. I think and it's important that you said that because it's, that is what people oftentimes associate with like setting boundaries. It's like, I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to seem like I'm being aggressive. Yep. But like, that's completely different. You this know, is my limit. Being aggressive and like hitting somebody back. Like, obviously that's not the best strategy to get your needs met and to be heard, but you can absolutely set boundaries and they are not one and the same. You can still set Mm -hmm. boundaries in a loving way towards yourself, but still stand firm to create that space from other people who are not adding value. 100%. 
Um, and then it was like, so mom passed at those limits uh, to basically where my aunt and some other family members just, I didn't associate with. Yeah. And it was, you know, I mainly just hung, you know, I promised my mom, like, I'll take care of dad. And I'll look after my godson. That's it. That's it. I'll promise you that. And that's no more. No. Um, dad's fine now. Uh, he's good. He's stable. Um, my godson, great. After that, and it's funny because I learned this concept of family when I was in nursing school. I never thought about that, but, uh, but this, and it could have just been trauma related where family is not who you share blood with, but it's who you bleed for. I was like, oh shit, that makes sense. Because mm. throughout that time when, you know, the suicidal ideations were always at its peak or whatever, I couldn't talk to my family about it. I found the comfort and resolution in my friends yeah. um, and then in my fiance and stuff like that. And then eventually starting therapy, uh, which at first for me, it didn't work. So it stopped it. Um, and I definitely, into that. I'm definitely interested to hear a little bit about that for sure. Yeah. And, um, oops, sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say like, so obviously with jujitsu, right? Jujitsu, although it can be this outlet and it can be a very helpful, like coping mechanism, um, yep. you kind of mentioned for a moment, and I just wanted to highlight this idea that like it can be oh I actually the the perfect phrase was that like most people are using it as therapy instead of just as a therapeutic approach yep. and I think it's really important to kind of highlight that it's not therapy you still have to address your shit you still have to get yep. support and help although it's still helping you and some people use it as a coping mechanism in the sense where they feel like it's all they need to mm -hmm. be able to like heal and, and move forward and um you know, for those listening, I want you to really take that home is that, you know, jujitsu is therapeutic for us, but it's not therapy, you know? So if you do struggle with those things, it's important to get outside support by medical professionals that can actually create a protocol for you and a plan and get to know you personally and be able to work with you and your system to be able to, you know, help you because jujitsu isn't the cure-all. Yep. Yep. For sure. Um, Therapy at first didn't work for me. My first therapist, I felt like I was talking to myself, maybe because I had good insight or whatever, that like I'm spending time talking to myself without really getting like a protocol to work with. It was a great mention. So I stopped it after a few months. Um, fast forward this year, that transitioning into um, moving out of my family, you know, my child at home. And now I live with my fiance uh, at first, like, at that time, there was like some stuff going on where like mom died, we needed some renovations on the house. Um, aunt didn't want to pay a dime, even though house under her. There was some stuff going on, needless yeah. to say, uh, where aunt was being an asshole. And then when I told my dad I was moving out, like he had that, you know, I was all he had. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was almost like side being a little bit of a dirtbag. I've been like, oh, great. Now my only solace is, is leaving me. And I like try to reiterate it until I was blue in the face, like, dude, I'm moving seven minutes away from this house. Yeah, <laughs> we're good, but it took a lot. And at that, like, again, there was the family stuff, and then my dad getting like butt hurt about me moving out. Um, I was taking more responsibility at work that I didn't feel prepared for, but they were like, no, you're good. And I'm like, I don't feel it. And they're like, no, no, trust me, we would not let you. Do That's the lovely part about where I work is like, if you're ready for something, they'll, you know, help you progress. But if they don't feel you're ready, they'll they'll, they'll hold you back. Um, so I was like all that going on. And that's what I was doing. Additionally, uh, being a clinical instructor for my high school where 
again, I almost fell into the nursing school's trap where I was so busy. I had no, like I trained here and there, but it was a lot less and the stress was just like, fuck. Um, yeah. So then another mental breakdown for about, and this, and I was like, this is the worst timing when I'm moving out of what my house. What year is this? This was this year. So <laughs> yeah, this was like, I was done teaching clinical March 30th, April 1st is like when it really fucking hit. Poof. But back spec, I was doing like my eval. I was like talking to like my manager beginning of January. She's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I feel off. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but like something feels off. And she's like, no, you're doing good. Like you're good at work. Everybody loves you X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. I just don't, I feel off. And it was like April uh, where I was like, <clears throat> where like thought about killing myself every day for three and a half months. Super depressed. I felt terrible that, you know, I couldn't help around like moving shit and helping set up moving into the house with my fiance. Thank God uh, her and her family took the reins. Um, they're like, dude, your only means right now is survival. And if you're able to keep yourself alive, we'll take care of the rest. Um, awesome. So I was like, dude, this During is- During this time, because that was this year, during this time, like, were you still doing jujitsu? Yeah, yep, still training. But like, I was so depressed, I didn't even want to go to the academy. And yeah. it was one of those things where like, I would do this thing where like, I woke up and I'm like, oh God, thank goodness, T minus 12 hours so I can go back to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was like, oh shit, I got a coach today. That's in T minus, Tessie! Yeah, I was like T minus 10 hours. So like, now I'm stressed out about, oh God, am I going to look super depressed when I go coach? I don't want to do that for my kids and ruin it for them. So I'd mask it, do perfectly fine. Um, but like, I wouldn't train. I would just coach as my obligation, then go right home. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it took a while. And, you know, I would just do nothing. And then again, it was just basically survival where I'd wake up and be like, don't kill yourself, don't kill yourself, don't kill yourself after thinking about 371 ways to do it. Um, yeah. But only going to the academy to coach. Uh, it's funny. How well, do you think jujitsu help. has helped you in that? Like if jujitsu has like the, the benefits it's given you and has it, you know, it's kind of like in that example you just gave of being, having an obligation to coach in some way kind of saves you because it's this like- Yeah, yep. It was an outlet. So, yep. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, no, that's exactly what it did. It was like, I'd coach and I, I teach the tiny tots. So like three to six jujitsu. And then uh, my age group that I work with five to six for kickboxing. That was my serotonin that I need to be like, oh, I feel a little better. I'm not going to kill myself. But like, yeah. I just can't do the training for yeah. myself. And that was for a little while. Um, what helped springboard, this is kind of funny. What helped springboard, it was like after like the first month or two of me doing nothing. My fiance was like, I love you, dude, but we got to figure something out. And that's when I was like, you know, swallowed the pill, white knuckles, talk to my PCP being like, dude, I want to kill myself. Yeah. I need help. Um, and I wasn't doing therapy because I didn't find it to work. Um, start off on an SSRI, uh, live, laugh, Lexapro. Yeah. didn't work out for me. If anything, it's like, I don't want to kill myself, but now I have no energy. I'm at yeah, zero yeah. miles per hour and I'm stuck in neutral. And it took about a month, month and a half where I'm like, and it takes a few weeks for psych meds to work anyways. Um, but like after a little while I talked to my doctor and I'm like, dude, this isn't working. Let's try something different. So then we tried Wellbutrin. Um, great. And it's ironic where after, like, once I started the Wellbutrin, um, one of my best friends, uh, was going through some stuff for her wedding. Um, and my fiance kind of took the reins as kind of like being her main support system. But like, for me, it was a motivating factor. Cause like, I always made this joke. Um, my girl Beck, she was, she's me with boobs, not to be inappropriate, <laughs> but like, it was separated at birth sort of sibling thing where like we both love coffee and we're, you know, really um, care about our partners like a ton. 
So I was like, oh shit, if Beck feels like shit, I got to get out of this run. I got to help Beck the best way we can. To the point where like in a week, me, my fiance and her fiance, now husband, um, like helped make a bachelorette party out of my backyard in a week. And <laughs> since then, I kind of almost like ran on that mental high of like, do what you got to do to make Beck, because this is all she cares about, make her wedding the best thing it can be. Um, and then also like in that trajectory, like her now husband was going through some stuff and I'm like, yeah, no, I gotta make sure she's good and he's good. And it then started to help pick me up. And I don't know whether it was a, either I had that as my springboard motivating factor or mm-hmm. the meds are working or Porky Los Dos, right? Both. Yeah. Um, to that helps springboard it. And now I feel like I'm on that neutral line where like I'm on meds, not a therapist yet, but once I get, you know, the availability to, cause I just now turning 26 next year, go on your own insurance. Right. Nice. Um, but like my hospital's health plan is, is phenomenal. So like, once I get that, I'll find one and do both. Um, cause not only where we go to this jujitsu therapeutic, it's not therapy. You also can't expect your friends to listen to your shit. And it's not in the grasp that like, they don't want to, but they might not have the profession that first off, they might be going through some shit and they don't have the emotional bandwidth to help you process. And that's not your fault. That's not their fault. Like that is what it is. Um, and you almost got to like kill your ego in the sense where like, okay, maybe a medical professional would be a benefit because they do this as their job. Yeah. (laughs) Their sole responsibility is to help you process through your shit. Yeah. And be a better person. Um, and it's almost like anybody could benefit from therapy because all of us have had shit going on. And again, maybe I say that adverse, excuse me, adverse childhood event. It's not trauma where you got your leg blown off, but like, you now have some repercussions for having your birthday be second place. Yeah. Or, you know, because you were abused, you might have a really hard time growing bonds with a partner. Or if you were physically abused, you might be more apt to do it to somebody else um, because that's how love was shown. Right. Um, So having the importance of like finding a professional to talk your shit out, you know, jujitsu is great. I love it. I will be like a used car salesman for it whenever I talk to somebody that doesn't train. It's a perfect outlet. But there's still some stuff that you got to talk out because there's some lingering effects of how it affects you as an adult. Um, and one of the things that every single human needs in order to really heal and process these things from our past is something called witnessing. I don't know if you've heard of it before or experienced it in therapy at all, but witnessing is basically like we can talk about our own thing to ourselves, but really we need to be witnessed you know, we need to be witnessed by somebody else who's objective to be able to hold that space for us to process. And it's really, really important part of healing. So many of us are so on this kind of, I don't know, belief or just kind of, it's the ego really of just saying like, I can figure this out on my own. I can heal this on my own, but block at one point because you need somebody else to, to witness, which requires you to kind of surrender a little bit and trust somebody else and to open up to somebody else, which is really scary, but it's literally an essential piece of the cocktail in order to really be able to process those past experiences. Exactly. You had mentioned, yeah. you had mentioned like the, some of the tools. So like with therapy, is this like obviously something newer that you've gotten back into? And you also mentioned like the inner child work. So I'm curious what tools you've utilized to support you with this, if those are the tools or if there's other tools. Um, so I would say the medications definitely help. Once I get the insurance, we'll hop on board with the therapist and I'll deep dive into that, um, of finding one that fits for me. Um, and then just 
I'm gonna say my family, which are my friends, um, having their springboard of their love and support. So like when I was going through my shit, they at first my fiance and my family's always been phenomenal about this. It's like when I was going through it, she would contact all my friends because I would isolate. I like yeah. I don't want to talk to anybody because I feel hurt. I don't want anybody else to feel that hurt. Yeah. So I'm gonna just curl up in a little ball and that's it. Um, but my family's like, no, nah, fuck that. I'm gonna text every single one of your boys and they're gonna come here. And people are gonna spend time with you and people who give a shit about you are gonna be with you. And so at nice first, yeah. And at it's first awesome. though, I was kind of like, great. Now I'm going to feel like a little pet at the zoo or hell, let's go visit mental health sick Matt where you're only there for me because I'm not feeling well. And that's where it was at first. And I'm like, I know you guys care about me, but like, I feel like a goddamn zoo animal. Yeah. Took some time to be like, that's not the case, dude. People actually give a shit about you. Okay to not be okay and have people help lift you up when you're not feeling it. Yeah. Um, and that's why, like, I, I say this now. And it was in that Submit the Stigma post where I'd rather be on the front end of your phone tech, phone call, text, FaceTime, whatever, versus being in your funeral line. Yeah. And it's funny, I'd say that to all other people, but I had difficulty accepting it myself. And it just yeah. takes some time yeah. to, like, not, you know, we're talking about suicide, but, like, kill your ego. And yeah. it's just, like, don't have one. You know, there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable, being like, yeah, I guess I need meds. Yeah, maybe I should talk to a professional about my shit. You know? Um, so kind of just like letting myself vulnerable in that aspect, yeah, that just made things that much better. Um, so when I found the opportunity to like, and I've been following Erin, um, for a long time, I submit the stigma when I found jujitsu, cause I'm like, Oh my God, martial arts and mental health. This is like the shit. So I followed her forever. And then when they asked for people to like post, to share stories, I was like, you know what? I'm in a better spot. Um, let me, let me, let me drop the ego and post this. and you know, that's what led us to being here. Uh, and it wasn't one of those, like, I'm posting this so people can feel sorry for me. Fuck that. That's not my MO. I, I, I hate that. Cause first off, I didn't like when my friends came to visit me when I was yeah, feeling exactly. ill. Cause I'm like, I'm not attracting the zoo here. Um, I'm more, so let me share my story because one, it's almost like a, um, it's like permission. Yeah. Or like a Chester Bennington, like people, like famous people, Robin Williams, famous people that have killed themselves there on the surface. You think they're happy as hell. Yeah, Nobody yeah. would have ever thought that Matt was suicidal. Yeah. Because he's the guy when he walks into a room, lights up everybody else's face. Um, and it's sharing that story, not because of that, but also because to let it highlight that, yeah, guys can go through it too. And it's okay to be vulnerable and owning your shit. Yeah. Um, and being like, you know, as a child, it, it's not my fault for what happened to me but it's my responsibility as an adult to fix it. Yes, 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 yes. This is- Fix your shit. Up. Fix your I shit. I say that all the time. Oh my gosh. And it's like, so it's not my fault I was sexually assaulted, but like I as an adult can't now go like fornicate in public. Like, yeah. Like some traumas that you have translates into other stuff as you grow up. So again, if you had a history of being physically abused, you might be more apt to abuse your partner. Yeah. That's not okay. Um, but- it's going to take some like therapy or meds or processing shit to realize that's not okay though. Yeah. Yeah. But that's all, you know, like you got to be exposed the to the way, that you, were, being... the way that you were modeled to receive or give love. Exactly. So and if it know, looks really distorted on the surface, you can't really see it from that perspective because it's all that you were shown. Yeah. You can't see the crossfire when you're in the trenches. Yeah. You know, you need a helicopter view to be like, Oh yeah, you're going through some shit, but you don't realize it when you're going through it. Yeah. Um, and especially as a child, which is why I love where I work. Um, 
because I work with five to 12 year olds that come from, di from different perspectives of risk profile behaviors, whether that be they've had thoughts of suicide, they've actually tried, they've engaged in some self-injurious behaviors. Um, they're super aggressive at home where they're beating the shit out of their parent or guardian and like running after their little sibling with a knife or whatever the case may be. 80% of that is a slew of trauma where they've witnessed domestic or physical abuse, or they've been exploited, they've been assaulted or X, Y, Z, because no seven-year-old is just going to drop their pants in the middle of, in, in public. Yeah. No eight-year-old is just going to like go defecate on the floor. Yeah. There's, I mean, granted, some of, some of our friends that come in, they don't have an official diagnosis of, you know, whatever they have with it, maybe, you know, a, a you know, um, being on the spectrum or having ADHD or whatever. And we're finally realizing that because of impulsivity required them to, require inpatient hospitalization, uh, but like 70% of it's trauma. Yeah. No natural child is going to act like that. For me, and this is where I like almost, not vicariously healing my inner child, but like, you know, I really hammered on, on, the, on, the, on the little homies on my unit where I'm like, dude, it's okay to be, talk about why you were angry. Don't feel stupid where you almost wanted to punch me in the face because you couldn't get your marker for a coloring activity. Yeah. Well, you were asked to wait and I set a limit, which were like an expectation, whatever. And in result, you didn't like it. You all tried to be aggressive towards me. Yeah. That's okay. Cause we're going to figure out why did you snap so fast? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You know? Um, and it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to use the anger yeah. this way. Yeah. Um, so I really try to hammer it home with the boys because like our, the, the females that we have on the unit, most of them are okay with verbalizing their feelings and stuff like that. But our boys, a lot of them do have a hard time. And yeah. maybe because they're in a similar situation where I was in, where they're not allowed to talk their shit out. Um, or if they were a victim of something, who's going to believe the boy? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Um, and it's there's really a lot of, as I know, the repercussions of it. And like you said that you're so connected to this work. And I think that the universe in some way brought it together for you exactly. to, to give back to those boys, you know, that you can see yourself in and realize that although you can't change your past, you have the ability to influence and make an impact on their life. And exactly. in that way that it is vicariously like working your inner child because you're, you're supporting them and giving them what they needed that they didn't receive from their original caretakers. Yeah. or yep. That's beautiful work. How do you feel about that work? Like, do you feel like it's part, part of your purpose? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Love it. Um, and I mean, I love when I did my clinical there in nursing school, I loved it, wanted to work there. Stars didn't align when I graduated to be able to. And then when the door, oh, you know, the opportunity riz, rose, I was like, yeah, I'm hopping on this. Um, love it. Can it be frustrated at times when our kiddos are dysregulated? Yeah, of course. Um, but if they were well behaved, they wouldn't be there. <laughs> exactly. Right. So as frustrated as I can be, when I get like a marker chucked at my head, I'm like, oh, dodge. Um, <laughs> but like, once you're not angry or want to kill yourself, let's talk it out. Um, and it's okay to talk it out. Now, when I say talk, also, just a quick sidebar, it, talking doesn't have to be your medium. If you don't like to talk, you can draw. If you don't like to talk, you can write. A lot of our kids, what I'll do, and I'm the silly goober, um, let's play it out. Because you may not be able to talk about how you're assaulted or talk about why you're angry, but you might be able to engage and play. Yeah. We do play therapy a ton in our unit because they're not old enough to be potentially be able to talk about a sexual assault, but they're, be, they're able to show you with action figures and Barbies. Yeah. And playing um, is also very healing because like you experienced in your life and I also experienced it to some degree as well. 
we, when kids grow up too fast, they never had the chance to actually be a kid. So yeah, they, yep. kind of that, that play factor is completely taken out. They're almost like assumed as they kind of take on this role as the adult and just the responsible one and like all this type of thing. And they don't actually get to experience play, which is our only goal as a child. So yep. being able to integrate that back in is uh, so important for them to kind of just reconnect and be a kid. And I'd love for yep. you, you said all these different modalities. Well, one of your purposes or missions that we had mentioned was potentially utilizing jujitsu and being able to integrate this. Like, what do you see in that regard? And like, what, what are your like plans or vision, even uh, if it's yeah. not immediate? Uh, it's probably gonna be like an avalanche thing where it's like, I have this little spark of an idea that might be big, who knows? Um, but I remember seeing, so I want to go back to school to get my nurse, you know, to get my DNP. Um, ideally main goal is to teach university level. Um, and then kind of maybe like private practice or work in an office, like two or three days a week, you know, seeing patients X, Y, Z. Um, what I would really like to do. So part of that is I have to do some research slash, like have a thesis, whatever. And I remember seeing somebody post about being like a licensed mental health conditioner worker that was offering a jujitsu, um, focused therapy or something like that. And I was like, holy shit, I need to do that as part of my project. Um, because martial arts and studies have shown for many people has been a healthy outlet to be able to build self-confidence, build that physical, physical, mental, physical, spiritual fortitude, um, yes. you know, and again, it's not therapy, but it's a good bridge, um, to being therapeutic for you to where I would like to somehow translate that training, um, within the pediatric behavioral health population whether our kiddos have anxiety, PTSD, depression, whatever, um, not whatever, but whatever they got going on, um, yeah. as a nice bridge treatment modality where, you know, the really anxious nerd who, um, has no self-confidence can now throw a chokehold on somebody. If somebody puts their hands on them, there's a gratifying feeling where yeah. a little bit where like, I have the confidence where if you try to hurt me, I'm going to be able to defend myself. And I almost feel better knowing that I can do that, but I don't have to. Yeah, exactly. That was the funny part also, sorry, a little sidebar of like being the only kid doing martial arts, like when I was in school or whatever, people would always want to pick a fight with me. And I'm like, no, stop. Like, I do this for me. This is fun. I don't want to beat you up. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, come on. I'm like, no, no, no. Whether it was like one time a kid tested me in middle school, put their arm around me. And I just did like a sit, like a Sianagi, just like shoulder throw. All of a sudden yeah. you hear the gym, the gym go, boom. <laughs> Chuck Norris joke where the gym teacher's like, I got to give you a zero for the day. And I'm like, cool. And then she talked to the other kid. It's like, nobody wants to punch Chuck Norris, dude. That's your own fault. <laughs> when I was like, all right, yeah. And never, you know, it'd be like, kids don't get physical. Because they knew, like, okay, yeah, no, Matt can actually throw down. Yeah. And I never want, I hate, I never have to want to use it. Yeah, 100%. But it's, you know, the old saying where it's like, it's better to be a warrior in a garden versus a gardener in a war. Yeah. You know, where it's like, I got the tools to throw down if I need to. Uh, but I'm going to do whatever tactic I can to, like, avoid that. Yeah, so, 100%. I love yeah. that. It's fun. Yeah. So thank you so much for being here. I'd love to know, how can people connect with you? What's the best way to connect with you? Um, I'd probably say Instagram, I guess. Uh, fairly active on it where, you know, I'm cordial. I try to respond to anybody as fast as I can or text, phone call, whatever. Um, that nurse met, punny, with two Ts um, on the that part. Um in terms of training our academy, so Danny Savory Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's on, I believe, 1135. 
uh, Grand Army Highway or GAR Highway in Somerset. Um, so you find me on the Max. You can reach out and message to me, whatever way it works. And I can always find other mediums, you know, for contact. Yeah. And I'll put that in the show notes, your Instagram handle. Yeah. And um, lastly, I'd love to ask, what is your favorite takedown or submission? Ooh. Obviously, that's always ever evolving. But like right now, what comes up to mind? Right now, we are huge into, uh, from a gi perspective, bow and arrow chokes, bicep slicers, and heel hooks. Oh. Especially in the bicep slicer from, you know, being the smaller person where somebody is like many of the people that I go with are stronger than me. When you get like the arm bar from side and they just hold like a vice grip and I'm like, okay, go from there. Cause it's either you're going to get your bicep torn out or you're going to let go and I'm going to finish the arm bar. Yeah. Um, heel hooks. I do love my leg locks. Um, do heel hooks in the gi? Huh? Do you do heel hooks in the gi? Oh, both. Yeah. hundred okay. percent. Where like, or sometimes like I'll bait it where people are like, ah, and then I'll like finish my passing or if I'm feeling <laughs> lazy that day and don't want to work hard on guard passing, I'm just going to like go for the leg lock. Um, <laughs> and they're just bow and arrow chokes. Just they're fun. Classics. Takedown. Awesome. Mm, I would take- say been really into like the, uh, almost like an ankle pick where you grab their lapel, you push them and then you like, you scoop the back of their leg with your foot mm-hmm. capture. Or um, I have no wrestling experience, but a few of our guys are where it's like arm drag into like that leg curl um, where it almost like looks like the uh, when you're in like reverse De La Hiva, and then you leg curl and almost like a, a knee bar to get them down. Um, oh, yeah. It's almost like that arm drag into that leg. Like, you curl your leg in as you go down and do that. So I've been like really loving. Oh, I think you're thinking else. of a, I think it's called a gake. Are you talking probably, about gake? Yeah, probably like the actual terminology. Like you, you're like, you're, you're your leg behind their leg. Yeah, yep. I do like an arm dragon as I go in. You're stabbing with the curl. leg and extending. Yep. Okay, yeah, that's a gake. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one. So been in love with those two. Just using those solidly. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope this gave other people some insight and some permission for themselves if they're struggling with, you know, some of the things that, you know, you've struggled with and that you've expressed other people struggle with, you know, that they feel open or can reach out to get support and realize that support looks different for everybody. Yeah. Just going to find what works for you. And again, really just allow yourself to be vulnerable, let that ego aside Mm -hmm. to just get that support. And so I would love for you guys to share this episode to support somebody else in your life that could benefit from this. And if there's anything that you took away or insights, I'd love for you to tag us at Body by Boss LLC. I'll put Matt's Instagram in the show notes. And I hope that you guys have an amazing day and we will see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Have a good one. Thank you.